0: Welcome to the Sidman's 6 PM podcast where you can listen to sermons from our evening service I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me, and what answer I am to give to this complaint.
1: Write down the revelation, and make it plain on tablets, so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end, and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come, and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up, his desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Indeed, wine betrays him, he is arrogant and never at rest, because he is as greedy as the grave, and like death, is never satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations, and takes captive all the peoples. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn? Saying, woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their prey, because you have plundered many nations. The peoples who are left will plunder you, for you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high, to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and forfeiting your life. The stones of the wall will cry out, and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed, and establishes a town by injustice! Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labour is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbours, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk, so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. You will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it is your turn. Drink, and let your nakedness be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you, and disgrace will cover your glory. The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, and your destruction of animals will terrify you, for you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman, or an image that teacheth lies? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, Come to life! Or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him.
0: Well, good evening everyone. My name is Ron and uh, it's great to be with you tonight. Julie and I, uh, a few years ago, my wife Julie and I uh, had the great opportunity of holidaying in South Africa and the great privilege of going to Kruger National Park. And we drove through that park uh, one day uh, by ourselves, stopping along the way looking at the various uh, wildlife and on one occasion we were stopped by the side of the road looking at some baboons that were just really playful and uh, just obviously enjoying their surrounds. Near them were some impala, uh, that were just bounding along graciously, joyfully. It was a really, it was serene, but it was about to become surreal. Within the blink of an eyelid, the birds started squawking. As the birds squawked, the baboons jumped up the the trees and scurried up as high as they could. And while all that was happening, the impala fled. Julie and I didn't quite know what was happening. We knew enough or were nervous enough to wind up our windows. The animals knew what was happening. Within a moment, and like at the speed of lightning, a lion comes racing across, I guess, looking for some lunch. We didn't have time to really admire the beauty of the lion. All we could do was to be in awe of its power. The king of the jungle had arrived. Things aren't always as they seem in the jungle and I learnt on that occasion to live in the jungle with unveiled eyes, with eyes that were aware of hidden realities and prepared for them at any moment. Things aren't always as they seem in the jungle of our lives either. And they weren't as they seem in the jungle of Habakkuk's life. In fact, in the jungle of Habakkuk's life, we know from last week how bad they were. There was overflowing injustices. Wickedness abounded. And the whole situation was quite terrifying. And we heard Habakkuk's lament in chapter 1. We heard him bring his concerns to God, his two big concerns. One, that this wickedness existed and God, what are you doing about it? Are you doing anything about it? And his second concern, for the righteous people. Are they just going to be swallowed up by this wickedness? Do they have any hope of surviving? And so Habakkuk brought these concerns before God and we left him, you might remember, on the ramparts at the top of the defensive wall. And he was looking out, not for the enemy like you'd normally do from here, but he was looking out for God's answer. What will God say to him? How do you expect God to respond to Habakkuk? God's response to Habakkuk doesn't provide the detail that Habakkuk may have wanted, that you and I might want. But what it does provide is a way of seeing things differently a way of seeing a better picture of reality. To paraphrase, God says, Be patient. Things aren't as they seem in the jungle. Live with unveiled eyes. Verse 4 and 5 is a bit of a summary for us and in verse 4 and 5 we see that while Babylon looks like it's strong, The enemy actually is really puffed up, arrogant, never at rest, as greedy as the grave and never satisfied. But this won't end in Babylon's glory. In fact, we're told in chapter 6 that ridicule and scorn is going to come for Babylon. The rest of the chapter God shows Habakkuk five woes for the enemy, for Babylon. And he invites Habakkuk to lament for them, for the wicked. Woe to them, he says. Now woes, we need to understand what woes are. You might say to me, particularly in September each year, Woe to you, Ron, because you're a Parramatta supporter. And everyone in the room just laughed. And uh, so they understand what this means, right? So you're not saying judgment on you because how dare you do that. You're saying, oh man, we pity you. Because we know the outcome of being a Parramatta supporter is that it's not going to go well for you. We know that. Woe to you. The outcome of following Parramatta... It's woeful and that's how it is. And so God gives Habakkuk these woes for him to see the true state of Babylon and to live with that reality. And the first woe is against Babylon as greedy plunderers. They plunder, they come in, they rob, they steal, they thieves, they take things that aren't their own. And God says, woe to those plunderers for they will be plundered. Now, to help you understand this a bit, there's a old game that I remember playing. I haven't played it for ages, but if anyone's up for a game, maybe, uh, when we can. Um, and it's called Rob the Nest. And you start off with like tennis balls or whatever in the middle in a common pot and you have four teams around the outside. And uh, the job is to get the balls from the middle to your nest until you've got the right amount to win. And so you start from the common, um, common pot and you steal them but then you don't have enough, no one has enough, and you've got to go and steal from other teams until someone has finally filled their nest. Now, it was always the team that was quickest, most powerful, most skillful that would win the game. They were the plunderer. But the other teams could strategize, they could decide together we're not going to steal from each other. We're only going to steal from the plunderer. And when they did, what happened was that the plunderer soon found themselves being plundered until such point as they were left with nothing. Woe to you, Babylon. The plunderer will be plundered. The second woe you can see in verse 9 and uh, the couple of verses after that. And this woe is really due to the enemy acting unjustly, to building their empire on the backs of others in an unfair way, to using others to build their own wealth. And what God says about this is uh, things aren't as they seem. For while they might look like they've got it all, In fact, what they've done is forfeited their life and everything that they've done is going to end up in the rubbish. It'll count for nothing. Woe to them. Woe to them who build on the back of others for they forfeit their life. It's all a waste. And then the third woe that God gives to Habakkuk is uh, in verse 12. And uh, from verse 12 you can see that the woe is on those who build and build at the expense of the blood of others who involve them in labour so that they can enjoy their fine houses. But God says to Habakkuk, things aren't always as they seem in the jungle. And in fact, What looks like fine houses is not how it's going to end up because what those people have been labouring for isn't those great big houses, but rather their labour has simply been to make a bonfire. Their labour will all be torched, will all go up in flames. Woe to them. It's all fuel for the fire. For rather than their labour filling the earth, rather than the product of their labour filling the earth, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Woe to you Babylon. And then the fourth woe in verse 15. Woe to those of you who make others get drunk on wine for your own satisfaction and for the abuse of them. Woe to them. They shame others, gazing on their nakedness by making them drunk. Yet things aren't always as they seem. Because while it looks like they glory in that, those same people are going to have to drink, not the wine, but they're going to have to drink From the cup of God's judgment. Woe to them. The shame that they've inflicted on others will come upon themselves. They will be seen as naked. And then the final woe in verse 18. Woe to those who make idols. Idols that don't speak and then cry out to them and look for them, look to them for guidance. They think they've got the world all under control. They think they know how to do things, but a time is coming, God says, when those who look to those who are mute will themselves be muted. They will be silenced. Verse 20 says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Woe to those who make silent idols. They themselves will be silenced. Unveiled eyes see the jungle differently. Unveiled eyes see wickedness as woefulness and see its ultimate destruction. God is not inactive. Wickedness is not tolerated. But Habakkuk had another question. And that was the question about the righteous people. What would happen to them? Will they survive? And God seems to just answer this in parting. You can see it in verse 4. He says, The righteous will live by his faithfulness. God is saying that the righteous will live because he is faithful. And while it seems like just a parting comment, at the start of this chapter, really the whole chapter is about this theme of God's faithfulness. It's only because of God's faithfulness that wicked will be overcome and it's only by God's faithfulness that the righteous will live. So God's answer to Habakkuk, as unsatisfying as it may have been in some ways to him and to you and I, is live with unveiled eyes. Be patient, because I am faithful. Now, I've been thinking about this and how sometimes that feels like such an inadequate answer to all the issues of wickedness in our world. And I wonder if in part, I feel like that can be an inadequate answer, and perhaps you. I wonder if that's the product of us living in a Christian culture. Living in a culture where we've, got, we've been able to determine to a large extent what the enemy can and can't do because we've been the ones who have been setting the rules. Living in a Christian culture has so many positives but it also means that we don't have to dig deep into God's faithfulness. And from what I understand, the stories I hear, those who live in cultures that aren't built on Christian principles and values, who do not have the power to in any way overcome the wickedness around them themselves, God's faithfulness is an incredible comfort for them. And the idea for them that God will return and that God will overthrow evil is a delight. Why is it that the answer of God's faithfulness doesn't always sit comfortably with us? The righteous will live by his faithfulness. The Jews of Habakkuk's day, they waited for God's faithfulness to be revealed in the overthrow of Babylon. And one day that happened. God was faithful. And the Jews beyond Habakkuk's day waited year in, year out, decade on decade, century on century. They waited for the promise of God to send a Messiah to finally liberate them from the oppression that they had experienced for years and years. One day, hundreds of years after Hab- Habakkuk's day, a man was serving, a righteous man was serving in the Jerusalem temple. And as he was serving, uh, he had children presented to him like for dedication. And he must have seen hundreds of children, maybe thousands of children in his role there. But on this one particular day, a child is brought to him and his eyes are unveiled. And here's what he says. Sovereign Lord, you have promised, uh, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation. This man, this righteous man, Simeon, saw God's faithfulness. He saw Jesus. Jesus shows us the faithfulness of God. While it may seem like wickedness goes unpunished, all is not as it seems in the jungle through his life and ultimately in his death, Jesus shows his power over wickedness, his power over evil. He binds the enemy, limiting evil power. And not only that, but at the cross, Jesus has victory over it and Jesus takes the punishment for wickedness so that the righteous can live by his faithfulness. At the cross, it's evil and wickedness that are swallowed up. The righteous aren't swallowed up by the wicked, but evil and wickedness is swallowed up by the righteous one. And there we live by his faithfulness. We still live in a jungle. And like Habakkuk, we find ourselves crying out, How long, Lord? And it's right to cry. When the jungle of our lives causes us despair, it's right to cry. But as we cry, live with unveiled eyes. Live knowing that God is faithful and true. Live knowing that Jesus will return, that things will be made right, that the righteous will be vindicated, that wickedness will finally be punished, that suffering will be done away with. Like Habakkuk and all God's people before him, we wait patiently. Hebrews chapter 10 picks up on this, quoting, in fact, Habakkuk chapter 2. and says this, In just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith. And are saved. All is not as it seems in the jungle. Don't shrink back. Don't think that God has forgotten your cause. Don't be tempted to think that the wicked will prosper forever. Don't be tempted to be part of the wicked. Turn from wickedness. God is faithful. Live with unveiled eyes that remind yourself of his faithfulness. And when you're struggling, ask Jesus to unveil your eyes again, to give you a fresh vision of what it means for him to be on the cross, that you might see God's faithfulness again. And know that what God has done in the past, God will do in the future. Live with unveiled eyes. Things are not as they seem in the jungle of life. But our jungle has a king. And our king is a lion. Another lion. A better lion. The lion from the tribe of Judah the lion who is victorious, the lion who has triumphed, Jesus. The jungle is not as it seems. Baboons don't rule the jungle. live with unveiled eyes. The reappearance of the king is imminent. God said to Habakkuk, though it linger, wait for it, he will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Don't look at the baboons. Live with unveiled eyes. The King is coming. Let me pray. Lord God, great is your faithfulness. Thank you that you renew your faithfulness to us each morning. We acknowledge that there are many days where our eyes don't see. Thank you that the cross of Jesus shows us the fullness of your faithfulness. May you continually unveil our eyes that we might forever look to the coming of the King and put our hope in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Bend Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmatt's.org.au, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.